Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given me. What are you reporting? Jesus Christ, you bet. Sir? Yeah. Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh-oh. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. We've got a great show planned for you this evening i was uh <laughs> i was just laughing about the uh comments from show uh, from friday's show yeah i made the comment there's some drinking game out there now every time i say i appreciate people take shots and i was kind of messing with the audience saying i appreciate as much as i could to get the uh audience loaded and uh <laughs> some of the comments are pretty funny if you get a chance go to sasquatchronicles.com and uh, check it out. Friday's show was cool. If you missed it, uh spoke to three separate witnesses who have had three completely different encounters. Uh, one-time encounters, fascinating encounters. And I want to thank my guest for coming on on Friday. If you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com My guest tonight, I'll be talking with Tony Burke, who is a researcher uh, he was, he, he's still a truck driver, but he had an encounter while he was out, uh, driving truck and it got him involved into the research. He'll be coming up shortly. My first guest, though, tonight is Eric. And Eric actually had, uh, three separate encounters. And, uh, Eric, thanks for coming on the show. I really do appreciate you being here tonight. Oh, you're welcome. And I know your son kind of pushed you to, uh, come on the show. So I want to thank him for, uh, for that, for listening, and and uh, I was really interested in the encounters. There's three separate encounters that you sent me. Um, I guess we can kind of start with the first one. If you would, just kind of tell us what you guys were out doing. Walk us right into it. Tell us what you experienced. Yeah, well, we, I was living out in Lake Tahoe, uh, right on the east shore of the lake on, uh, oh, it's uh, US-50, and it goes through a tunnel down the state line where all the casinos are. And I was working at the Gold Nugget Casino at night and running a crane 
know, probably two, three, four days a week for the Nevada generator systems. They had in the paper that, oh, I guess the guy's name was Clark. He was going to try to run a jet boat at five, six hundred, whatever miles per hour he could get out of it. And Lake Tahoe's real nice and flat. I mean, when it's, it looks like glass. And a buddy of mine, Mike and I, we went down to Manny's Cave Rock, which is on the other side, the south side of the uh, tunnel. We walked in and we said, asked Manny and Pat if we could go up on top of the rock. And they said, no problem. So Mike, Mike and I climbed to the top and Mike had told Manny and Pat, come on up with us. And they said, well, we got stuff to do. We'll be up there in a little while if we can. Well, we got to the top and we heard them start to come up the trail. And we were, I was sitting there drinking a beer. I was 21 at the time, so it was legal. And um, the guy had ran one run. And I mean, when he went across that lake, he was scooting. They wanted to see it. Of course, Wild World of Sports and a bunch of TV cameras were down by the lake, and we had to cut. We couldn't really see to the north, but down to the south we could see. Manny and Pat got to the top, and Mike and I both looked over our shoulders, and behind Manny and Pat, there was this huge monster. I mean, it was, it was back there probably 60, 70 feet. We looked at each other, and it was gone when we looked back. And Manny and Pat looked at us and like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? And we both said, no, nothing. Nothing. We're just watching the boat. That, I mean, Mike and I never said a word. It, I mean, we just looked at each other, and even after we left, after the boat exploded, the boat hit up on the second run or third run. The boat hit a stick in the water and blew up. And we were like freaking out, so we all went down the hill. Uh, Swank and I went back to the to the marina and told them that that the guy had hit a, a log or a stick or whatever, because we could see it from our our vantage point. Well, we never said anything, and we just went on about our business. Now, my girlfriend at the time, she'd taken off. She got married to some guy in the Air Force, some captain or whatever, and. I didn't have a ride to work every night. I would call Pat. I used to walk because it was only about three miles. And I would call Pat or Manny if I couldn't get a ride from where I was at. And I thought, I wasn't going to walk that way anymore. And I always got a ride to work. But I would run down there. We kept the crane at the Safeway. I'd go down there and fire that thing up, but I couldn't drive it back to as my personal vehicle. But that's the first one. And this is 1980. Can you kind of describe for the audience what you saw? It was, well, when we look back over our shoulders, there's a huge rock that, on me, it came up to just above my crotch. This thing was standing back behind there, and its knees, we couldn't see its knees. And... We looked at it, and its its arms were kind of down at its side, and then it started to raise its arms. And that's when we looked at each other. I mean, its face was like expressionless. It didn't look like a monkey. I mean, it looked like a huge, hairy person. And I mean, the muscles. You know, I'm six foot six, and I had been out of the Marine Corps. Uh, for about a year, 
And I was pretty well ripped. And not too many people would take me on. Same thing with Swank. Swank was a biker. He was probably six foot three. But this thing, I walked behind that rock and he was, he just, you know, looked at me and he shook his head. He never said, Swank never said anything. He just shook his head and walked on down the hill. And I never bothered looking. I didn't, I didn't want to go follow what the hell this thing was. Never asked anybody, never made a comment, just stored it away and wanted to forget. That was it. It was able to move so quick. And we just turned our heads to look at each other, look back, and it was gone. That was it. Did you and your friend ever talk about it? No, we never said, no, no, never. I mean, we used to go up to Kings Beach. We'd go to Auburn. We'd go to Sacramento. And he would, I'd have to go down there and drop the boom truck off, not a crane, but um, drop it off. And we would do hospitals and things like that. And he would pick me up and act as my oiler and come back to Tahoe or we'd stay in Kings Beach. We never said a word about it. And how many years later was your second incident? That was, um, it was probably 86. I was back here in Indiana, and we were doing a uh, Otis elevator over Bloomington. It shut down for, uh, like two weeks. And we were doing uh, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And what my job was to was to change out crane rails that were in the loading bay. And I had a little 10-ton crane in there. My cousin was getting married in Columbus, which is about, oh, 50 miles away from Otis Elevator. And I made it out with Jack Neely for him to take over for me so I can go to the wedding and then scoot back as quick as possible so that we didn't lose any hours to somebody else. <laughs> so I got off at midnight. I jumped in the van and started coming across 46, which uh, goes to a little town called Nashville. And there's this probably the largest state park in Indiana, Brown County State Park. And we'd always had, you know, picnics and parties and go fishing and things like that. There's a great place. As I'm coming up to the entrance, Brown County State Park, park I see a guy doing jumping jacks in the middle of the road. I mean, it was, I'm like, what the hell is this dude doing? And so I slowed down. He was trying to get me to stop. And when I stopped, I always carried a Mossberg Persuader and a Ruger 1022 with me. And I figured maybe this guy's trying to set me up. I've heard about that before. So I just pulled out the Ruger 1022. And I didn't unlock the passenger door. And he's going, let me in, let me in. I get out. And he's going, there's something up on the hill. Now, 46 is a two-lane highway, but it has wide berms. So it could actually probably be a a slow-moving four-lane. But then on the north side, there's this huge ditch, and then this hill that goes up probably 15, 18 feet. And it's all a rock face. It's where they probably blast it away to remove for the roadbed and for proper drainage. And something was up there making one hell of a bunch of noise. And this dude said, that thing's been following me. I don't know what it is. It's throwing rocks. Right about then, here comes a slab. You know what sandstone is, right? Yeah. Okay. 
that's what that's what came down, and it hit and scooted across the road. And I was like, what in the hell is that? And I'm looking, and I don't see anything. And I said, dude, let's just get, and then it started, started going off, making all kind of crazy-ass noises. And I just jumped in, unlocked the door, and I had a 360 in this van, and I stomped on the gas. We got the hell out of there. And I'm looking in the rear view, and there's something in the middle of the road. Now, I'm probably about 200 yards away from it by this time. But, I mean, it's, it's still in the road, and it looked pissed. But it looked big, too. What kind of noises was it making? It was making, you've heard mountain lions, right? You know, yeah. it, yeah. like, like it, it was doing something like that, only it was lower. It was, um, it was rattling the trees. There's a whole lot of trees up there. It was making all kinds of noise, and it was intimidating this dude. Um, he had he'd been working downtown Nashville, and what he was going to do is just walk the back roads by the fairgrounds, and then he was going to go up over the hill to where the hotel was. But he wasn't familiar with the area. He walked past that and came out where he came out all the way to the Brown County State Park. And there's that little there's a little road right there. And he was like. Took him a long time. He could have probably got a ride a lot earlier if he would have known the path. But he said after he passed that one road, that's where this thing picked up on, and it just paralleled him and followed him all the way out the road, staying back in the trees. And there's a couple cabins back up there, and uh, I guess there was nobody in them. But he said he was he was scared really bad. And it was so bad when we started driving away, I, I smelled something. And I looked at him and he goes, I shit my pants. And I, I carried basketball stuff with me. I had sweatpants and shorts and stuff. And we went up to the store up by the KOA campground. And he went in and changed his clothes. And I took him all the way back to Greensburg. I mean, I didn't get back to Columbus until about 3 o'clock in the morning. Did he ever say what he thought it was? No. I never even asked the dude his name, and he didn't ask me his. We just, I mean, all I said was, what is that smell? And then I gave him some clothes, and I was like, take that crap off, put it in the bag, and, you know, I said, I'll take you home. We never talked about it. It was the same thing as the first one. I wasn't going to say anything. I'm a crane operator. If I say something like that, they're going to be drug testing me. I wanted to ask you, as you were driving off and you see this thing in your rearview mirror, was it on two legs or was it on four? Or could you tell? It was stand. It was standing up. Oh, you could, I could tell. No problem. And it it never popped into my head that this was the same thing that I saw before. You know, since then, I've been thinking back and trying to remember, and I'm like, I think it's probably the same species or whatever, but, you know, it's a great big river monkey. And then you had a third encounter. How many years later was this third one? Uh, about five weeks ago. And if you would, just walk us right into it. What what happened in that encounter? Well, I was standing right behind the house, and I had the, the puppy and Jack out here let them do their business, and all of a sudden, back in the woods, about Oh, probably 350, 400 yards away from where I'm standing. 
heard coyotes going like crazy. Well, I've heard that before, and they're t- taking a deer down. So I throw the dogs back in the house, get in the office, grab me a shotgun, uh, put five rounds in the tube and two in my pocket, and I start hunting back there. And I went around to the back side of the lake, and I was going to cross the creek. It was, it was too overgrown, and I hadn't been back there since spring. And so I followed the creek down to the culvert, and across the culvert, there's a big opening up there. That's probably, oh, 150 foot from the culvert to the first tree, maybe a little bit further. But it's probably 75, 80 foot across. And it's pretty well open. There's a little bit of volunteer trees. But when I got in there, I didn't hear the coyotes anymore. And I figured they got the deer down and they're chowing on it. And so I started, you know, sneaking back there. And I, I passed this one tree that's like a big fir or a cedar tree but the limbs go all the way to the ground. And so you can't really see what's behind it. And there's this little opening, probably 40, 50 foot by 30 foot. And then there's another stand of trees and then some big brush on the, on the right-hand side and then a forest on the left. And I got up there and I'm right in the middle of it. And I'm looking at this tree in front of me and I'm like, where's the damn coyotes? And all of a sudden I hear a deer snort. Deer snorts, they're, you know, pretty common. Then I heard a deer snort to my right. And I'm like, what is... And then they started going back and forth. And it started to sound like an engine going back and forth. And I'm like, what in the heck's going on? And then I realized something is moving to my left flank. And I start looking that way and I point the shotgun towards that way. And then there's a snort over there. And those two stopped. And then they start snorting like crazy, and I can hear something moving through the bush off to my right flank. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't like this. And I heard whatever it was got all the way behind me. And he's behind that tree. That's when I popped around it. And that's when they started doing the big time snorting back and forth and then making other little noises. And I'm like, I've never heard this before. I'm starting to freak out. And so I just yelled out, I'm getting out of here, because I thought it was maybe somebody playing with me. But by that time, it's pretty much dark. The sky is still a little bit blue, but I can't see anything in the woods. And so I back out, and I keep fanning a shotgun around. And whatever was behind me followed me to the west as all the way as I went out. And when I crossed over the culvert. I was probably 50 foot past the culvert. Whatever it was, either jumped or stepped across that creek and broke a huge branch. And I, I made a phone call. I called my aunt. I says, get the shot or get the uh, 30-06 out. I'm coming up there. I'm coming back down here to see what this is. And as I'm on the phone, one of the rocks that we use uh, back on the dam, which is a big old two and a half pound rock he comes flying over my head and i'm like oh shit and that's what i said to my aunt she says what did you say to me and i says a rock just flew over my head i said i gotta go and i hightailed it back up to the house and i went in to talk to them in the meantime i called my son and he says coyotes they eat coyotes and i'm like 
why would they eat coyotes? They probably taste like dogs. And, um, but he, he explained it to me and I was like, okay. So I, I settled down and I came back to my house and I'm covered with birds. I mean, I look like, uh, I'm in a ghillie suit. I'm like, gee, many Christmas. And Luke calls me back and says, why don't you, why don't you go down to the lake, take the spotlight, go down to the lake and sit on the dock and just listen and see if you can hear anything going across in the woods. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So I stepped out on the back porch, and I had a K-bar with me, no weapon. And I had my little spotlight. And as I was standing on the porch, lit a cigarette, and on the side of our house, it was like something had smacked the crap out of one of the big trees. I've got three big trees over there. And I mean, it made a crack, uh, not quite as loud as a rifle going off, but it was, it was loud enough that it startled me. And I ran around the corner real quick to see what it was. And I'm shining the spotlight and I'm shining it up in the tree. And I'm like, what in the hell? You know, there's no wind. What is that? And I um, called my aunt and I said, turn on the security lights. And it's this light up like a fortress. And so she went and lit it up and I walked back to the shotgun. And as she turned the lights on, something ran between the houses, down the swale, and then back out towards this, uh, I have a burn pile back here. And I got that shotgun, and I put a uh, double-op shot and then slugs. And then I put two slugs in my pocket, and I put, a, put one in the pipe. And I started walking back out here, shining and spotting. And I'm looking, and I start hearing clicking. Can you hear that? Yeah, like, uh, are you talking about, like, tongue tongue pops? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tongue, tongue clicking. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? And I'm I'm not not quite to the back of the barn, but I'm hearing this, and I can't, but I can't see anything. Whatever it is, is behind the pile. And then I hear, down by the edge of the pond, I hear a, um, like, a bird call, and I'm like, it's night, whatever that is. And then I heard a second one over to the, by Johnson's farm. And I'm like, uh-oh, whatever it is, they're converging. And then Luke calls up, and I tell him what's going on. And he says, get the hell out of there. Just get to the house. So I just retreated back to the house, and uh, I unloaded the weapon, and I locked the doors. Well, about then, somebody to the west of us, we got a subdivision probably a quarter mile to the west. Somebody starts shooting. Now, by this time, it's completely black outside, completely dark. And whoever's shooting is shooting a lot. My uncle calls me up and says, are you shooting? And I said, no. And I said, I think it's over at the blackout. He says, go over and check it out. So I get in the van and I drive over there. By then, there was two cops, and one of them was pulling out. The other one had a pistol in his hand, and he's talking to a guy. And the guy is pointing back to the woods, and I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. You know, I'm not going to stop and talk to the cop. I got the shotgun in the car. So I went around, came back, and uh, Luke says, on Sunday, the next day, go out in the woods and see what you can see. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take the 30 out six. Well, the next day, about 11 o'clock, I got out there, and it just felt normal. And uh, I went all the way to the west end of the property, about 
four or five hundred yards, and there wasn't really anything. It's it was right back behind Blackout, and I went all the way to the east end, uh, just back to where I had originally had this weird ass encounter, and there were parts and pieces of coyote. There's about three skulls, I should say heads, and then there were the front part, and it was like they had been torn, you know, pulled apart. And I was like, whatever it was, I don't want to meet it. And I swung back around, and I went over by Morales' house, which is half a mile away, and I started coming back, and, I mean, it was so thick that, uh, you know, I had a hard time getting back over here, but I eventually did, and I was like, there's nothing there, nothing but that ripped up coyotes. And but when I got back here, I, one of my neighbors, I I was talking to, I was talking to Johnson. Johnson said two fences were tore down over blackout, and uh, two dogs were, were missing. That's that's pretty much the end of that. What part of the country are you in, Eric? I'm in Columbus, Indiana. Columbus. Indiana. I mean, I'm right next to. I'm I'm just south of 46. We've got. Um, it's it's probably close to three quarters, maybe more, of woods that are four hundred foot or four hundred yards thick. And it goes pretty much from three fifty all the way to uh the cut through for the Turtle Bay edition. Did you ever get a chance to talk to the neighbor? Uh no, I talked to one of them a few years ago. He'd posted something on the BFRO. He was a senior in at Columbus East High School, and Luke, Luke had found it and says, oh, can you come over and talk to him while I'm at school? And I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, went over, and I talked to the guy's dad, and he says, yeah, he saw something out here. And the reason I knew it was this uh, addition over here is because it said a city park with a lake, and there are 11 city parks in Columbus, but only one of them has a lake, and that's right next to us. And then... Oh, two years ago, the kids were out in the in the pond. I have a kayak, and they were screwing around with a kayak and a John boat. And my uncle, he, he calls me up and he says, "Come over here and take a look at this." I went over. There was something down on the other side of the dam, uh, moving back and forth. He goes, "What is that?" I, said, I don't know. He said, "Go down there and check it out." And so I got down there, and by the time I got there, there was nothing there. But he said, I said, what did you see? He says, I don't know, it was something black, and it's bobbing back and forth. Whatever. But that's been probably three years. But we've got Camp Atterbury is just to the north and to the west of us. And then we have what's called Columbus Youth Camp. And at the same time, I went over and talked to the guy at Black about the BFRO report. I just went ahead and drove on down to youth camp and the guys were closing up for the night, and I said, you guys ever see anything strange around here? And they were like, like, what? And I said, oh, I don't know, just, you know, something strange. And they were like, you mean Bigfoot? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm, you know. And they go, yeah, they're back here. We call them river monkeys. And I was like, what? That's interesting. So they actually call them river monkeys, huh? Yeah, they apparently. Well, then I started talking to my cousin, and I said, river monkeys, and they said, yeah, I remember Grandpa used to talk about river monkeys, and uh, that he's 
his farm is just north of that, oh, four miles. And the river goes right through it. And he'd always, I remembered uh, Grandma say, don't, don't tell them that. Those, you'll get something in their head they can't get out. And I was okay. When that one ran between the home, did you actually see it? Or was it more or less you could hear it running in between the houses? I, I heard it and I saw it. I got a, um, my back porch is on the east east side. It's like a, just a chunk taken out of the house. And trees, I can't see them from the back porch, but I got a raspberry patch here. And then I got a big bush on the end of it. And when Evelyn turned on the lights, I saw it. It was just scooting behind that big bush. And that's, that's when I got the shotgun and went down there. And I looked in the, in the ravine right back behind here. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, six big trees right there. And I'm shining with one hand, and I've got the shotgun in the other. That's when I heard it doing its clicking over here at the burn pile. And so I, I came back, and I, I went toward the front side of the barn, and then started going down the west side of the barn. And that's when I heard the damn bird call, and then something else, the bird call and clicking over to, towards Johnson's horse pasture. And I was like, that's it. Thank God, Luke Call, I'm out of here. Yeah, I don't There's blame you. Be brave. There's a time to be brave and a time to skedaddle. Can you describe what you saw? Well, whatever went to the burn pile, it wasn't all that big. I mean, I was I was thinking, okay, that's maybe my size. I'm 6'6", six, six, and the one, it was much smaller than the one I saw out of Tahoe. And I, I really know how big that one was over in Brown County, but it was it was damn good size. Who was it? We put a timber frame up down in Paoli. And this lady paid a quarter million dollars for that house. And I went down there to show it to a buddy of mine in the construction business. And this has been probably 91 or 92. And she had it for sale. And I said, I asked her, I said, but why are you selling it? She says, there's something out here in the woods. I'm scared of it. I'm not staying out here anymore. And she moved. And I never knew what it was. But then there were some reports that uh, came from Paoli that uh, some of the truck drivers that deliver uh, all sill gas, you know, the natural gas homes, they'd run across some of these things. And then over towards Story, which is in Brown County, south of 130, south on 135, um, I had a couple of buddies that uh, deliver uh, gas down that way that they almost ran over one that was in the middle of the road about four o'clock in the morning with real cold out. That's been 10 years ago. Well, definitely keep me updated on anything that's going on around that property, if you would, Eric, if you don't mind. I, I would love to hear if there's anything else going on around the property. Do you hear them often on your property? Not, not, no, not at all. Uh, every once, like in the fall, I think they come over to hunt whatever it is. And Luke, Luke's more up on it than I am. He's saying that, you know, coyotes and, uh, you know, some of the other predators are in competition with them. And they're going to take them out first so that they got deer. And uh, Luke's, he, he works at... Uh, Miami University over at Oxford. 
Ohio, and he was living down in Riley, and he gets off at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning, and he was sitting in his driveway, and he's out in the middle of nowhere. And he said he, he turned the radio on, and he was just sitting there chilling out. He looked over and saw knees <laughs> look out of his car window, and then it walked off, and he said he didn't turn the lights on. He just watched it. And they got a security light back behind the house. And there's a tree house. It's 10 foot up in the air. And he says, this thing ducked to get into the tree house. You need to talk to him, too. But we're going to... Luke's your son? We're going to go... Yeah, Luke's my son. He's bigger than I am. Yeah, yeah, well, definitely keep me updated. And yeah, send me Luke's info. I would love to uh, talk with him and talk what, you know, what he's experienced. And and uh, I can't thank you enough, Eric, for coming on and and sharing the encounters and just all the different experiences that you had. Um, I still think about that poor guy that you picked up that uh, crapped himself. He was so freaked out, man. Um, But, I mean, once we got everything taken care of down there at the Shell Station, uh, I just said, where do you live? And he says, I'm going to Greensburg. I just took him to Greensburg. We didn't say fiddly squad about halfway uh, between Brown County and Columbus, I turned the radio on, but we didn't say anything. Yeah, and that's that's actually more common than most people realize. You would think the normal reaction would be sit there and talk about what just happened, but actually the normal reaction is not to talk about it, just to kind of sit there. You guys are probably soaking it in mentally, you know what I mean? No, I was, I was like, that didn't happen. It just didn't freaking happen. You know, that's, I think everybody's starting to see these things. Yeah, more and more people are starting to see them, and more and more people are starting to come out and talk about them. You know, a lot of guys have had on recently had encounters back in the 70s, and they're just now coming out and talking about it and talking about the things they've seen, talk about the things they've experienced. So I, I, th- I think you're right. I think more and more people are coming forward and wanting to share what they've seen, what they've experienced. It's becoming more mainstream, I think. Well, like I said, you know, I, I'd like to uh, speak to Luke and keep me updated with everything else going on there. And thank you again for being here. Well, you're welcome. If I find, if if I can get a hold of Luke, I'll have him give you an email and tell you about that Riley thing. Yeah, please do. Please do. All right. And next, let's go to Tony Burke. Again, Tony is a researcher and a truck driver that had an encounter. Uh, Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. No problem. Tell me about the first time you ran into a Sasquatch. Tell me about the very first encounter that you ever had. Where were you at? What were you doing? And then just kind of walk me into the encounter, if you don't mind. Okay, well, the first first one I want to tell about is me as a child up in Ohio, right on the outskirts of Bell Fountain. During the, during the daytime, we heard uh, we was in the, in the kitchen. In the old house, and uh, it was way back a long lane, and uh, way down in the valley, and right, there's a creek runs alongside there. It was on, we was on the radio. I heard on the radio that uh, that my mom is, mom and dad, everybody sitting around, and uh, listening to the radio, and I uh, heard Bigfoot sighted in the area a few times, so I was like. I asked my dad, so where's this at? 
He said, it sounds like it's coming this way. You know, I put it off like, you know, I don't know if he's telling the truth or he didn't want to go to the area or whatever, but uh, it, it come across that uh, a few people cited it and where they cited it at. And, uh, and what year is this, Tony? It was probably in the late 70s. Okay. And, so uh, you guys are sitting around as a, as yeah. a family... And yeah. you guys hear over the radio that yeah. there was a sighting nearby. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think someone was doing dishes or something like that, you know, kitchen work or whatever. We listened to the radio. And we was, we was listening to the music. But then a, a news bulletin come across. And later that night, um, it was dark out and everything. We, we, uh, we had some hunting dogs. We had all kinds of farm animals. And uh, hunting dogs started going crazy. They started choking on their chains and stuff like that. Everything's going crazy and dad and everybody turned out the lights and uh got the gun out and then uh it smelled some awful smell outside outside and uh so everybody got quiet and everything and we hear a, a loud long breeze right alongside the walls. We we right next to the walls and hear from a real old house. And uh, my dad, he went outside of the gun, a flashlight, I guess. He couldn't find anything. He came back in. He said he sent us to uh, into town that night. But uh, we lost one of our dogs. We don't know what happened to it. We don't know if it broke the collar or broke the chain or or anything. If I was right now my age, I'd be out there looking for prints, you know, right when it happened. Then we skipped to about four years ago. Three and a half years, four years ago, my dad was down from Ohio, and uh, I drive semi now. So, and he told me about a bigfoot that he seen in Ohio that was real tall. He said he was seriously tall, and uh, he was running across the field, and his buddy was driving somewhere, and uh, he told his buddy to turn around. He seen a bigfoot, and he said he cut it off on another road, and the guy went turned around, and he laughed at him, and everything. They went to the next town over, then they come back through. He's wondering where it was. He said, it's done gone now. And uh, my dad's had a, a wooden leg all his life, and he hunted fish trapped all his life, and he, he had never seen one. And that was just a coincidence. He's still there in Ohio, like uh, about mid-Ohio. He told me that uh, that he's seen one, so I said, well, I'm driving semi now. I just started. I said, you want to different states, and all through the mountains and everything, I started looking, you know. I, I started paying attention more uh, way out in the woods on both sides of me, as far as I can see. You know, I, I, I rode along and I've seen things, you know, thought it might be something. You know, thought it might be one or whatever. But uh, October 2013, I picked up a load in, uh, around Duncan, the Spartanburg area in South Carolina. I was coming back down 85, running along through Hartwell Lake and into Atlanta, and uh, right before I was heading out of South Carolina in the evening, about four or five, I seen it was just a heavy downpour of rain. I mean, it was a real heavy downpour of rain, and uh, I come out like a wall of it. And then I had my windshield wipers cleaned off, and and uh, about mile marker number seven in Old County, Old County, County Fairplay, South Carolina, and uh, I checked my gauges and I was. I looked something in my coming my peripheral vision to the right, and I looked up, and it, and it couldn't be no 
the way my face clears Bigfoot, it just, I've been looking, you know, running up and down that road, same road for interstate system for a long time, you know, every day, just about it, delivering, making deliveries to South Carolina, North Carolina, and looking both both ways and everything. And this thing just happened to come right out, right in front of my semi, so alongside the, alongside the bank, can't steal in the grass. And I hit my brakes a little bit. I knew the car was behind me. I couldn't stop, but I could slow down. So I looked. I was looking at it as I was looking, uh, you know, everything about it. It looked like a tall Chewbacca, you know. It looked like over 10 foot. had long hair, a long erect arms like a orangutan. It's kind of wavy. And long hair back to head and neck like a horse's mane. And and has short hair all over the body, like a reddish-brown, dead pine needle color. So I was, I was in there watching it run. It's like a, it was like it was a, a real fast walk. I mean, it was so smooth. It, it didn't run like a human with arms going up and down or the body, you know, rising and falling, dropping. It's just like a steady, smooth flow. And his hair was straight back like somebody's on most of them. And uh, I was watching, I was thinking, you know, I know what I, the name for it is Bigfoot or whatever, but this, this being is just running alongside the interstate. And I said, I said what's this running thing running after? And I was thinking, what's it? Uh, I was thinking Bigfoot. I looked down at his feet, and I couldn't see his feet. It's all covered with hair. And then uh, I, was, what, I was like, what's this thing maybe running to or whatever? I got my bumper right up next to it. I was looking over at it, and it ran straight back up into the woods. I looked back into the woods. I started to pull over, and uh, I was like, "Well, I can't, I can't go in the woods with it without, you know, some kind of gun protection and everything." I wanted to get a video and just chase it and just, you know, stay on it, whatever. And I just couldn't do it. I went, went to back to Georgia, and then I had to. I eventually got my gun carrying permit, went back, went into the area. There's old barns in that area and uh old house that was for sale, been set for sale for a long time. And uh there's barns and hay in the barns and everything and uh, that was the first one, October two thousand thirteen. It was it was like early in the month. Then uh I seen I really seen like uh one every you no know, couple months or one every month for for at least a year and a half. Two thousand fourteen to two thousand fifteen I've seen them uh in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina and Tennessee. And uh I seen one is it mainly when you're on the road is when you're seeing them? Yep. Right there uh on like a side road or a major interstate. Seen one on the side road in uh, Calhoun, Georgia. It was uh, where Trail of Tears started on 225, right off of I-75. Uh, go east on 225, right off 75, about a mile on the right. It's got a Trail of Tears started over there in uh, one place, and uh, they had to keep it all cut down there. Thing, uh, the old buildings back in there. I told my there's a creek running along through there too, and. Uh, a river also, and uh, I ride along, had my daughter in the car, I said, there's one right there, I said, look, 
and I don't think she's seen it. She she don't look what I tell her to do. And, and then uh, I looked, I pulled into the entrance, and she said, "No, no." I started get out of cars. I had my gun, my camera on. Uh, so she wanted to go to mom's house. Took her to mom's house. Come back, went in there. I couldn't find it. This thing was about probably about eight nine foot. It was uh, black. There's missing hair on the side of his face and on the side of his arm and chest. And uh, he was just standing there, about three foot off tree line, looking at the looking at the road there. It had about big black eyes, like say, like orange, like size of oranges. And uh, can I ask you about your first? <clears throat> can I ask you a question about the first encounter? Yeah. When you saw this thing uh, on the side of the road, how far away from your truck is it running? Oh, uh, it's probably about. Right there alongside the interstate, and that bank's probably about 20 foot from it. And this thing ran probably about, i say, at least 100 foot, 125 foot. Before it went off into the wood line? I, mean, I, watched, I watched it. This thing probably ran about 50. I mean, it was, it, was, it was moving along. I mean, it's 10 foot. It, it just looked like it wasn't even in the. No, running as fast as it can. It was, it was running, but it wasn't running as fast as it can. It, I was thinking this thing could probably run over three or four mountains, and then before it got tired, you know, I'm thinking it's more or less it had mostly, uh, you know, animal to it. And was it on two legs the whole time? Yep. And were you able to? It was. It was. Were you able to get any of the facial it, features when you were looking at it? Negative on the first one. I've seen the sides and seen the back of it. I got up there alongside of it, and it took right, like a diagonal, right up into the woods. I got you. And then how many years later was it that you saw your second one? Yeah, it was probably a few months later. Okay. And uh, I seen one, that one on 225. It was Something was strange about it. It was had, had a bulge right there on the stomach. Like it just ate, like, about the size of a basketball. I mean, bulged out. I got thinking you know, a couple of days later, it might have been pregnant, but it didn't have no breasts. I don't know. I don't know if it just. I don't know if it just ate something, ate a dog or what. You know, I just don't know. Like it had like a pot pot belly. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, I mean it was. It wasn't a pot belly. It was a bulge. Hmm, interesting. And I don't know. It looked like it looked like the uh, facial expression on it looked like he was having a rough time. But I don't know. What did the face look like? Uh, face sort of looked like a, like a, like a human shape type face, but it uh, had some, you know, I'd say animal kind of, uh, facial features, like a dark color, uh, you know, it just didn't look human. What was it mainly about and, the uh, face that, that caught, and, caught your attention? It looked, it looked uh, I'm not sure, like the missing hair on the side of it, on that one side, along the side of it. It looked spooky, you know, the way it looked, the way it was looking yeah. towards the road. And, uh, let's see, I've seen one that was in uh, Bessemer City, North Carolina. That's right on the I-85. 
a couple hours, uh, say about, about two and a half, three hours, right above the Oconee County, went on the same side, the same interstate, and it was on the north side, 85, is Bethlehem City, North Carolina, and I was uh, coming back with a load up there one evening. And I was looking up through the power line, and one ran down the power line. This looked like a juvenile, and it was all black. It didn't have no, it wasn't skin. It was, you know, hair. And uh, this thing ran down the power line like a J-shaped out into the woods. And uh, this thing was, uh, it looked like it was having a, a good time, but it wasn't, you know, from our society and everything. It looked like it was... It was, you know, kind of laughing, you know, having a good time. But there was just something strange about it. And uh, I went up past one exit, went up to the next exit, turned around, went back. And there's old hotel shut down there. A lot of air conditioners out of them and everything, filled with furniture. And uh, I parked in there. And, you know, anything can crawl up in any of them places and stay warm and everything. And I walked down through the woods and searching that area, and I found a big deer down there. I think he was chasing that deer. And, uh, now, when you say one of the bugs there. What, what do you mean it was having a good time? Uh, I don't know. It looked like it was, you know, a, a kid running down the fire line, you know, kind of full stride. And it was, you know, you look at somebody, you know, it looked like it was, you know, like it's like it's human having a good time. You know? I got you. So and, just uh, the impression, like like, it, like 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 he was playing, maybe. Yeah, the impression you were getting. And uh, yeah, I got you. So I think he was chasing that deer down in that that valley there. But I couldn't find that bigfoot anywhere, and I walked down through there, and all that place up there was uh right above on that next hill there. There's old house that was there, and the uh, window was out of it, and. Uh, I looked at the window and there was a, a big hole in the ceiling of it. And then I was looking around for handprints or fingerprints or anything and I couldn't see anything. And there's a few old shacks there with uh, hay in them and straw and, you know, whatever. And uh, it looked like uh, top of one barn. It looked like it might have been, you know, laid down in there, Frank. I had checked that area. A few times since, you know, it snowed, thinking it might go in there where it snowed, maybe. Stay warm, looking for prints and everything, and I never found anything. And But uh, that time that I went back the first time to look for it and everything, I, I, seen a, I seen that deer down in there. I seen this kid walking from the store carrying some groceries. I told him what I was down doing down over there and what I seen. And uh, he said, well, something was throwing rocks at me the other day while I was walking through here. So I said, well, they do that, you know. I've heard them of them doing that. And then uh, I seen uh, one uh, one evening and uh, going across Hartwell Lake on a bridge. I looked over, and this thing was floating like a foot underneath the water. Probably, I mean, it was real tall. Not sure how tall it was, but it was floating like a foot underneath the water. It was like a log underneath the water. The only thing was looking... The only thing that was above water was his head. And they're just floating across the lake, you know. I was like, there's not anybody see this, you know. I mean, it was probably about 30 yards out. And then, so I pulled over on the interstate off the side, and it's got the ripples along the side of the interstate. 
and that made a lot of noise. And I pushed my airbrakes and made a lot of noise. And uh, that semi-stop, that was a long ways, you know, down the road. And I had to run all the way back, all the way back to the center of the bridge because I couldn't see around the the bank if it went straight to the bank. So I, I couldn't find it. I ran up the bank to the edge of the bridge, went up the bank, and went over into the woods. I couldn't find it. And I had to go take the load to where I was going to South Carolina at a certain time, so I had to go back to the truck and go on. And uh, I seen Warren in uh, Chattanooga uh, one day. I was riding along uh, where uh, interstate splits at. There's some rivers and ponds and stuff in that area. I've hiked it before, you know, after I've seen one. But I was riding along, and I seen this. This is this Bigfoot way back in this power line, way back off the road, probably about 90 yards off the road. And all I seen was a chest about waist up, and it was black. And this thing was, it hadn't been huge. It was wide. And I seen it, it was, it was looking the traffic going back and forth on the interstate. I mean, this... this no human, you know, watches interstate or, or any traffic like this thing does. This thing was shaking its head real fast, side to side, real fast, irregularly. And then, uh, and then, and then next, there's a road cuts alongside there, goes right alongside where they're in construction at and everything. And uh, it look, this thing jumps back like it didn't want to be seen. Like his car, and I don't know if it's seen, seen. I've seen it or not, because I mean I was up in the semi way, way at on in the interstate, was pretty far away from it. And uh, so about a week or so, I drove up there, about 35 minutes from my house, north of me. I live on 75 there, and then uh, I hiked the area, and I find all kinds of footprints around swamps and stuff. And nobody should be not wearing shoes, and uh, which uh, I found some footprints in town where I'm at and everything. But uh, there's all kinds of footprints around there. It's like uh, rivers and creeks and stuff that over flood over there, and the water washing back. You know, it leaves it muddy along the sides and the banks and and all through that area. And uh, I find prints here and there and everywhere. I go up there a few times to hike up to there and everything. And I started a website that, uh, I'm not sure when I started that website. It might have been the first or second uh, sighting, but uh, I started a website, you know, trying to keep up with where they've been seen at and everything else, you know, about them and try to learn and everything. And what I found out and all the evidence I find and try to post on there. And, uh, I had people that uh, noticed wanted to join my site, so I started accepting people, you know, and I got uh, district attorneys and police officers and coaches that want to go and uh, you know, want to listen and hear about it, everything, find out about it, uh, all walks of life, you know. It's uh, Appalachian Sasquatch and Bigfoot research. I've had people fly in and drive in and we go hiking there, Frank, and uh, I'm getting people joining every day. But uh, 
Let me ask you this, Tony. uh, Have you ever looked at, and and I'm always, and this will be kind of some skeptical questions, so so forgive me. You know, I'm surprised that more more truck drivers don't see these things. I'm always shocked when I talk to a lot of truck drivers that really haven't seen anything. I would probably expect out of everyone, they would be the ones to, to see them. But have you ever questioned some of your sightings? I'll give you an example. And I'm sure. You... Uh, yes, I have. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm question, questioning uh, my sightings because we have a, a like a Comic Con down here in Atlanta. Everybody dresses up. There's Chewbacca's down there, but uh, nobody, nobody can. I went through it over and over and over. Nobody could run like that one I seen in South Carolina. Nobody's that tall. If they're that tall. I've talked about basketball players. I said, yeah. anybody this tall cannot run. It's not as good as the shape. Everybody who has been in 10 foot or more is deformed or has to run with a cane or they're not in shape yeah. so far, you know. And, uh, well, no, no, I don't mean that so I, I What I mean by that is, and I'll give you an example, and, and this isn't meant to question you by any means. What I'm, what, here's a, the point I'm trying to make. When I've talked to a lot of witnesses in the past, there's a common thing that happens sometimes in the psychology of of sightings, uh, especially real sightings. Um, sometimes you can tell when someone almost has had a real sighting by, by this simple fact. I've talked to uh, – I'll give you a, a perfect example. I won't say the name, but I went out to this person's property. No question in my mind that they have had – legitimate sightings on their property no question uh but when sometimes when i go out there they'll go um see these two cross sticks sasquatch did that and i'm just it it looks like just two sticks that fell to me it doesn't look like anything special or uh you'll see like two or three rocks on top of each other and they'll come by and explain to you that uh, Uh sasquatch did that and you know it's well well, let me let me tell you I, i I really don't know, you know. We, we, I, I've never seen one actually break a stick or anything. But uh, let me tell you something about uh, the sticks uh, being broke. See, I drive the interstate a lot, and and I know I've heard about them, you know, being broke and everything, and uh, stick structures and stuff like that. I'm interested in, but when I'm driving along the interstate and I see a broken tree when none of them in the ground is broke and everything. And uh, it's just out in order in the area that it's broke. And it's and it's like, I'm thinking this is a sure sign that, that's, you know, a Bigfoot's broke that. Well, no, the, the point... I'm not, sure, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if it's me and all the information, you know, I've had over the years and everything else, but... I've actually took my GPS, and you go on aerial view, and the, and the trees are usually broke on the opposite side of the interstate from a pond or creek. So whatever way the tree is broke, that is, is facing towards, is broke towards, the piece hanging down is going towards uh, a pond. I mean, he might, the pond might be 30, you know, 40 
fifty a hundred yards out, but it's broke towards a water source. No, no, no. Here, here's the point I was trying to make. How long have you been driving truck? Uh, semi. I have been driving for about four and a half years. Okay. It, uh, probably about five if you add on nineteen ninety nine. Once I'm out of the truck driving school, uh, for about about six months, and then uh, went with a concrete company for ten years. Go nine, and got laid off. The point I'm trying to make is, you have you saw something that changed your life. You saw something that freaked you out. You saw something that yeah, that, that wasn't that, that uh, supposed. That to- makes me want to want want place to walk out the door after seeing it. I used to walk out the door of my house, and we got woods all along the sides of it. And I'm just thinking, you know, out there in my yard, this thing could run out. One could run out, grab you, carry you off, no problem. There's woods everywhere, and and people walking around. And I mean, I thought about all this stuff a long time ago. People walking around every day, doing you know everything, and. People hiking and riding bikes and everything else, and just they just don't know. They don't know. They don't know the reality. It's just it should. If people knew, then it would change the whole society's reality of outside. What outside means. Right. I'm wondering though: is you had that dramatic experience, and now when you're driving around, um, do you think that sometimes? And I and only ask this question very respectfully. Do you think sometimes that it's somewhat post-traumatic stress of driving around and now you look over and it's like, oh, uh, no. It, it's, it's post-traumatic of not working 14 hours a day, which every truck driver does. It's post-traumatic of what you've seen. That was so close. And, and it's not just one. It's several i've seen you know i've seen several over the years and now i i know i hike on weekends and everything but what that chattanooga sighting that uh i had an oil company owner who was interested in seeing one or knows uh you know uh he's interested in everything i told him to come down you know he he called and he, he had to cancel out the first time he come down the second time he went to Flew all the way down to Atlanta. He's a oil company owner, gas company owner of a guy in Wisconsin. Flew down and ran him a car. Come up to Calhoun, we met up. He has his fiance and a guy he grew up with, uh, went to school with. And we got up the next day, went up there in Chattanooga and hiked around. We was taking pictures of all the footprints and everything. I've taken, done casts up there and got GPS on the cast I've done. And post photos in my website, and then uh, we went back. See, the guy said that he was going to bring a night vision scope. He told me what kind it was. I looked up on YouTube, figured out how to use it before he came down. And uh, that evening, we went in there, waited till it got dark. I said, "This is uh, this is the other area. This is actually the area that we I actually seen it at. The other areas around there is where we found you know all kinds of prints." So this big area in there, you walk in, it kind of overflows. And it's got like a lot of like dead vegetation. It's like a foot of it. It's a real soft area. It's real open all through there and everything. And uh, 
we walk in there and it's dark. We got one flashlight. I carry a Glock 45 with extended clip just for protection. And uh, we walk in there. I tell them, I don't know what they're doing. You know, I ain't never been in the woods with them at night or close to them in daytime, you know, out and open outside of the vehicle. So we walk in there and I got a, a, a cell phone. I, I recorded a Bigfoot yell that was recorded in California. That uh, a Texas guy got a uh, a response off of also. So I had it on my cell phone. I had a megaphone I bought from Radio Shack. I was on call blast, blow it through that megaphone. And uh, we got in there. The guy does a wood knock on a tree, a stick. This thing responds back. He must have had a stick in his hand. I don't know if they carry sticks on them or what. It happened so quick it had it must have had a stick in the hand. It it would it would not got thirty five yards out to the left of us in between us and the interstate. And uh that's the area I wanted to go in there and look through, you know, off off the little path through there, you can look through there, there's a tree opening right right past there where we was. And it, he does a, does the wood knock three times, and it responds all three times. And uh, I think he he himself, it happened so quick. I think he he himself he only heard like once or twice. Everybody else heard three. You know, he, he did wood knock, hit knock back, and he waited. Did another wood knock, he did knock back three times. So we, we walk in there further. We know what's in there, and uh, we're looking through this opening. It's a night vision scope, and uh, it can see 100 yards. Each time you push a button on it, it goes in 30 yards. And uh, the darker it is, the clearer you can see, like a daylight through that scope. And when you pull your eye away from the scope, it's like it blinds. It's like a flashlight. Yeah. It's shining your eye. It takes a minute. Eyes adjust back. So we're looking. We can't go back in there because it's flooded, all the area that's close to us. So we're sitting there on the path looking through that opening there, and we can't see it. So I start doing some call blasting on my cell phone, playing Bigfoot Hills through that megaphone, and uh, getting no response. We did that about eight minutes. And then the guy, he yells with his hands. This thing yells back. There Bigfoot yells at us. And then, uh, so... This is the first time I've been in the woods with it yelling, one yelling. And then uh, not even a minute later, one yells. He's about 90 to 100 yards out on the right of us. And when this one yells, it's a giant. Everybody's like, golly. This thing yells like an elephant or a lion. It's got force behind it. Everybody knows this is a giant, just the way it, it yelled. I mean, it, was, it was yelled with force. And then... uh so we we was looking around. I was taking pictures. Everybody's there, you know, in the group. And then uh, and we was looking around, night vision scope, all around. And then uh, not even a minute, about five minutes later, this thing had traveled about 80, 90 yards. About I see it here. So it's probably about 25 yards off of us. And it yelled real long yell. And we could we could. Eat. See what direction it was. We know what direction it was headed in, and we're pretty sure it was the giant. And then uh, I said, "Well, he's coming in. You know, he's coming closer." And uh, 
we was looking there for a long time for night vision scope. We couldn't find it. You know, we were looking with flashlight and everything. We could see nothing. And then we eventually started working our way out. Right there in that power line area, that oil company over, we're standing there looking around the night vision scope, and that oil company over sees it bobbing out from the tree line, been bobbed back in the tree line, waving back and forth with his body, looking out, looking back in. And uh, the oil company, he's describing, his name is John Palmer, he's describing the way he's feeling the whole time. He ain't describing the Bigfoot, he's describing his reaction. He said, my hair stand up along my, my, my back, and and I forget what all he was talking about and everything. And then uh, he hands me the scope. So I start looking, and I'm looking on the right side of the ditch. The ditch runs along to a big creek or river right, right there behind there. I'm looking the right side, and then looking over to the left a little bit, but I couldn't find it. I hand him back the scope, and he couldn't find it. So we left, we come back up there the next day, and he, I got a picture of him. He wanted the picture holding a stick up, how tall he thinks it was. He held the stick up. He must have been a giant. You know, I went down, went down one bit. That thing had traveled probably, you know, 70 yards, pitch black darkness, through over rivers and streams and around swamps and, uh, Big brush and everything, anything that traveled all that far in about five minutes. You know, I don't know anything that does that. Yeah, no, so I was thinking more or less the thing is nocturnal. Were you able to capture any of those sounds? I mean, could I put them up on the website or do you have them available? No. I use my cell phone for call blasting and taking pictures, and, you know, I, I, did, I didn't have recording devices. At that time, and just like that uh, one that ran alongside the interstate in Oconee County, ran for about 150 yards right alongside the interstate right there from my semi, I'd give my right and left arm for that if I had it on a dash cam at the time. Yeah, no, I hear I mean, you. I, my, my name had been in history books all over the world. When I looked up the Bigfoot, Bigfoot video, it would have been... Tony's Bigfoot video and and uh, classic would have been Patty's. No, and I understand that. Your mind's not going that way to want to look over and grab your cell phone. You're too fixed on, you know, and that's pretty yeah. normal behavior. I mean, I mean, my cell phone, I usually, my iPhone, I use a company phone. It's free calls and it's just a cheap phone. And I have a iPhone 5S and uh, has iPhone 6. At the time, I think I have iPhone 5. Might have been four, I don't know. But the thing is, I always keep my smartphone turned off. I don't use it for service. I use it for Wi-Fi, taking pictures or videos. And when I pull it out of my pocket, turn it on, because I always save batteries leaving it off. I turn it on, that thing takes over a couple minutes just to turn on. And then you got to go through the apps to the video and then, right. you know, start shooting. And by the time, I mean, the semi I was driving, you know, and then plus, you want know, to speed, rate of speed I was, and and way it was going, you know, it was, I don't know, I wasn't even yeah. thinking, I wasn't even thinking about it, to tell you the truth. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you, and, and that's understandable. A lot of people, you know, especially will say in it's situations first, like... Yeah, it's the first sighting, you know, I actually had, and, and it, 
I've actually seen unidentified flying objects before. And it, you know, it was about 40 foot around. It was a, a light, great light. And uh, in May of 2015, or I mean, sorry, 2014, but this thing right here, this Bigfoot, this, uh, that would be the most amazing thing I've seen was the Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, keep your eyes and your ears peeled, especially when you're out driving. Uh, man, I'd t- attach a GoPro to that uh, windshield of yours and just have a GoPro filming constantly. Uh, oh, yeah. But, you know, if you have anything else that happens, if you're ever out, uh, feel free. To, you're always welcome back to the show. So uh, come yeah. on back and give us an update if you you know, if anything yeah. new happens yeah. or if you see anything. Yeah, I, I bought a GoPro and I've, I've had that thing. Had, it was a GoPro Plus and I had about 600 and all the, it was a chest strap I was going to use and everything while I go hiking. And uh, on weekends and uh, this thing had so many sentences that I said, I couldn't figure it out. I took it back. I said, this $600 ain't sitting there. Not, you know, then uh, I actually had tree cams that was infrared. I couldn't get them working right until I get back. But uh, I, a lot of people say, you know, get them dash cams and, and uh, cams for the size of trucks and everything else. Eventually, maybe I will and uh, get some side cameras and everything. I seen I seen another one in uh, Jefferson, Georgia. And it's right on alongside 85, and uh, this thing was black. It was early morning, and this thing was probably about, it was probably about 10 foot. It's standing alongside. It's standing right next to the, up on the bank, off the interstate a little ways. There's a lot of uh, about 15 foot tall tree, pine trees along there. And it was standing right next to the pine tree. I mean, I couldn't see. No facial features, nothing. All I seen was black, solid black. But this was a big foot. It was standing there, looking, you know, standing alongside. And I was just riding along in, in, in the semi. You know, I just had to go on, you know. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Okay. Yeah. See. So, uh. Eventually, you say this. Eventually, I, I want to get where I can spend months out there and then uh i mean i when i first seen the one and then maybe somewhere in the time and seen the second or third one you know i thought about selling everything i had you know uh even getting tax money and everything just living out there until i get close as long as video of one i've actually had to pull back myself from not doing that but uh, i don't know that i would I, I, I don't know on, that you know, I would uh, do that. I plan on spending my vacations out there, you know, and uh, for weeks, you know, searching. I want to search from Atlanta all the way up into North Carolina along that stretch where I've seen three. And then uh, they actually call the one I've seen in South Carolina. Actually, a guy in North Carolina has seen, if not the same one, one just like it. He said when it went back in the woods, he hit his head on this tree branch that tree branch is 10 foot tall. They come in close to his dog, and his dog chain got tied around his leg. They call it Nobby. Gave it a nickname up there in uh, North Carolina, kind of uh, northwest of uh, Kings Mountain, about an hour and a half. And uh, they actually had the town go out there and look for it. They've had t shirts and everything else. Uh, so it's finding Nobby. 
Well, I appreciate being on the show. Let's, let's talk. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too. I think that honestly, uh, I wouldn't quit your job to get a video of one because a video of one, I think yeah. you're going to be disappointed pretty quick. I mean, it could be, you could have a video of one sitting there eating, you yeah. know, and having the uh, saliva drip out of its mouth, and people call it a fake. People yeah. call it. Oh yeah. Uh, you you had you were a master CGI, uh, and yeah. you you, oh, you yeah. know, and so most people I, don't. I, most I people have a brain. Yeah, when when it's gonna come to me, it's gonna be end up. You know, I mean, believe me, don't. That's 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 real. It's gonna be real. And uh, yeah, they they got these new things coming out. These uh, you know, these drones and everything. I might try one of them uh, about tax time. Yeah. Well, let me know how that works out. I know I got a guy I'm talking to in in Texas that uh, he's using a drone, and uh, it's a pretty advanced drone. But um, you know, let me know if, if you're looking at him. If you need any, you know, want my two cents on it, or I can put you in touch with him, and he can give you his two. He's more. He knows a million okay. times more than I do. All uh, right. I, he might I appreciate be it, man. Doing. I appreciate you yeah. coming off in Washington all the way here in Georgia. Oh, I appreciate it, Tony, and, and thank you so much for coming on. All right, maybe I'll get out there sometime. Thank you again, Tony, and thank you to the audience out there listening. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email, wes at sasquatchronicles.com. If you get a chance, check out the website, sasquatchronicles.com, for additional shows throughout the week. Uh, until next time, everyone, have a great night.